Our scripture reading for this evening is from the Gospel of John, chapter 7 and verse 46. And the officers said, never man has spake like this man. No matter how long you read the Bible, you should never stop being amazed. It really is an amazing book about an awesome God. As we think about Jesus, it's amazing how sometimes some of the greatest accolades are given to Jesus by the unlikeliest of individuals. The passage that Steve just read for us in John 7, verse 46, is one of those. It's the temple guard. These are individuals that would have been Levites. And they were serving the religious parties that had control of the temple. They were supposed to go and arrest Jesus. At least bring him in for questioning. But they came back and you could almost see it. It seems like they're scratching their heads. No one ever spoke like Jesus. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 24, an unlikely candidate speaks of Jesus in a very complimentary way. Mark 1.24, a demon says to Jesus, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Accolades from unlikely sources. Even at the cross, after the Lord had breathed his last, remember the Roman centurion who was in charge of the scene? Truly, this man was the Son of God. Matthew 27 and verse 54. Now, the Word of God does not need Jesus to be complimented by these unlikely sources in order to make it so. But it's very telling that these unlikely sources spoke the way they did of Jesus. Now look at John 7 with me. Because you see this this temple guard has to deal with the Pharisees. And there really is a division that's taking place concerning the identity of Jesus among the Jewish people. If you'll look in the verses leading up to verse 46, some people hold Jesus to be a prophet. A prophet, one sent by God. Others would believe Jesus to be the Messiah, the long-awaited king who was to come. 
But the Pharisees especially and other religious leaders are going to have none of that. And so when their own temple guard comes back and says, no one ever talked like him. No one ever spoke the way that he spoke. The Pharisees and religious leaders said, have you been deceived too? Have you been duped as well? It's their thinking, friends, that nobody can have the right view about Jesus except them. And so when the temple guard comes back with this glowing statement about Jesus, have you been deceived? Have you been duped too? And then the idea of people out there that think that he is a prophet or that think that he's the Messiah, if you will look at verse 49, you have the response of the religious leaders. And the idea is that they're just ignorant and under the curse. And then Nicodemus speaks up. Nicodemus is no slouch religiously. He's one of the rulers of the Jews. And he speaks out and asks a question about Jesus. And basically, should we make a man guilty of sin without even considering him and the case that he might make for himself. Isn't a person innocent until proven guilty? It's pretty much what Nicodemus is saying. And the religious leaders look at one of their own, a ruler of the Jews, Nicodemus was, and they accuse him of being ignorant and misled. When you stop and think about what's really going on in John 7, the individuals that are really duped, the individuals that are really under a curse because of their determination to think wrongly, and the individuals that are really ignorant and misled are the Pharisees, the religious leaders themselves. And that becomes increasingly obvious as you read through the Gospel of John. It's amazing what a person will believe as long as they don't have to change their way of thinking. And that's what happens here. But when we look at Jesus, and this is the phrase I want to look at, no one ever spoke like him. Last Sunday, I went a little long on a couple of sermons, so I'm trying to give the time back this Sunday. So you may make it home before you have to eat too much dust. At least I hope so. But what I want to do is share seven qualities with you briefly concerning Jesus and how he was the man concerning whom no one ever spoke anything like him. You know, among preachers, there's a statement that's sometimes used. And it's, it's a good phrase, a preacher's preacher. And by that, preachers mean this is the kind of preacher that other preachers 
like to hear and learn from and really appreciate what they put into a lesson and how they develop things. They appreciate the character, the prayerfulness of the man. Well, I'll tell you what. As far as I'm concerned, Jesus Christ is the preacher's preacher, and it's not even close. And I hope that you think that way about him. No one ever spoke quite like Jesus. No one ever spoke with such divine authority, first of all. No one ever spoke with such divine authority. Go to Matthew chapter 7, and at the end of the great Sermon on the Mount... He brings everything to a high point. And that song that the children often sing about the wise man building his house on the rock and the foolish man building his house on the sand. Well, the way that this sermon comes to an end, at a high point, the foolish man built his house upon the sand and the winds came, the floods came, and the foolish man's house went splat. Great was the fall of it. Matthew 7, 28 and following. The people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught as one having authority and not as one of the scribes. There was something, Carl, so life-transforming, so relevant, so powerful in the things that Jesus was saying. We don't hear this kind of stuff. He's not just referring to various scholars and rabbis. He's telling us what God says. Look, if you will. At Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, sort of like bookends, there are references made to the authority of Jesus in the book of Matthew, which especially emphasizes the long-awaited king is here. And we would expect a king to have authority. In Matthew 28 and 18... The Great Commission, we often call this, at least the beginning. All authority, Jesus says, has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That is either an outrageous claim, a flat-out lie, or the absolute truth. You know how sometimes we'll hear that Jesus was a great teacher? Throw that out of your mind because Jesus claimed to be more than a great teacher. He was assuredly that. But the claim that he makes to authority is a claim that can only belong to God himself. So he is either God in the flesh, King Jesus, or he's a nut. But don't try to water things down by saying Jesus is a great teacher because he claims to be so much more 
Look at Matthew chapter 21 and look at verses 23 through 29. In this passage, you've got religious leaders that are keeping an eye, a scrutinizing eye on Jesus. And they ask Jesus this question. Tell us by what authority you do the things that you do and who gave you this authority. So their question has two parts. We want to know, Jesus. And you know, if they were just listening to Jesus, they would have been able to see this. But Jesus says, all right. I will answer your question if you first answer mine. John's baptism, where did it come from? From heaven or from men? And I hope you'll mark that in your Bibles because Jesus is giving the clear indication that religious authority comes from one of two places. It either comes from God and heaven or it comes merely from men. Assuming a role that they do not really have. From heaven or from men. And the religious leaders think about that one for a while. And they respond among themselves by saying, If we say that John's baptism came from heaven, then Jesus might ask us, Why didn't you submit to his baptism then? Why weren't you baptized in John's baptism? And if we say that John's baptism came from men, then the people are going to be angry with us because they hold John to be a prophet. So how do they choose to answer this question about authority? They answer the question by claiming not to know where the authority came from uh, came for, for John's baptism from heaven or men. And really, by doing this, they expose their own lack of honesty and intellectual integrity. But Jesus, being who he was, spoke with authority. Never one so spoke with such divine authority because never had a person come along who would be prophet, priest, and king like him. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. Next. Never a man so spoke with such powerful impact. Never a man so spoke with such powerful impact. What do you mean by that? Turn to Mark 4 and look at verse 39. Consider the words of Jesus. And in our English translations, generally the expression consists of three words. Peace be still. Peace be still. With but a brief expression, he calms a storm. He exercises control over nature. Never a man 
spoke like that. As you continue looking at Jesus and as we think together about the incredible eloquence of Jesus and how no one ever spoke as did he, think about his speaking a word or so concerning disease and the disease being removed completely and immediately. In John chapter 5, he asked one who has been unable to walk for about 38 years, would you be made whole? And he goes on to heal this individual. One of many examples where Jesus simply says a short word, a short expression, and one is healed. If Jesus is the one who spoke the world into existence, if he is the one who is behind creation, it makes a lot of sense to think that he would be the one that has power with but a word over nature and disease. huh? Think about his power over the demonic. Over the demonic. And how they responded to him, demons did. And they followed his command to depart. Think of Christ and his word as it concerns death. In John chapter 11, Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And immediately Lazarus who's been dead for four days, comes out of the tomb, still wrapped in the grave clothes. When we think about Jesus, no one ever spoke like Him. Such words of powerful impact. Third, When you think about the words of Jesus, no one ever spoke like him. How so? Words of such tender love and kindness. No one ever spoke like him. Words of such tender love and kindness. Look in your Bible at Mark 10, 21. In this particular story, a man comes to Jesus who's rich and who's young and who's a ruler and who is very moral and who has kept so many of God's commands from the time he was but young. And he wants to know what good thing can he do to inherit eternal life. Well, Jesus immediately knows what's in this man, detects a problem. But look at Mark 10, 21. Because never one spoke like him with such tender love and kindness. The text says Jesus loved him. The rich young ruler would leave Jesus, still rich, still young, and still a ruler. But he would leave sorrowfully because he didn't want to part with what he really treasured. His wealth. Look, if you will, at Luke 7. 
Look at Luke 7, verses 36 through 50. Luke 7, 36 through 50. In this particular passage, you'll see that a woman has treated Jesus with great honor, with great love, and really is expressing an act of worship to him, it seems. He is in the home of a man by the name of Simon. And Jesus knows that Simon and others are talking badly about this woman. And he says, she has been forgiven much because she loves much. Jesus stands up for her then and there, even before a religious leader, because he realized the nature of her act. Look at John 19, verses 26 and 27, and see example after example can be given of each of these qualities where Jesus shows that no one in all the world spoke quite like him. In John 19, 26 and 27, he's on the cross and we would think quite honestly with the pain, with all that he had gone through prior to the actual having the nails put in his hands and feet, we would think that he might be self-absorbed. And if ever there was an occasion when somebody maybe should have should have thought of themselves, and it would have been legitimate, it would be a circumstance like Jesus was in. And yet, his tender love and kindness comes out as he sees Mary, his mother, and the disciple that he loved. Woman, behold your son, and son, behold your mother. I wonder how many people that had been involved in crucifixions, been present at crucifixions, had ever heard anything like that. In all likelihood, it was a first. Number four, never a man spoke like Jesus with such wonderful simplicity with such wonderful simplicity. Look in your Bibles at Mark 12. In Mark chapter 12 and verse 37, and the Word of God says, the common people, a great throng, a great number, heard Him gladly. Jesus was able to deal with eternal matters, with biblical matters, with God matters in an amazingly simple way and help people grasp wonderful truth about God. He was wonderfully simple. His use of stories, his vivid use of illustrations... He spoke to people in a way that they could grasp easily.
And he spoke in such a way that was difficult for religious people to grasp because they were used to speaking in pretty convoluted ways, to tell you the truth. His wonderful simplicity. Next, number five. And when you think about that with his wonderful simplicity, you have saints and sinners coming to Jesus. You have young and old coming to Jesus. You have men and women coming to Jesus. You have Jew and Greek coming to Jesus at various points in his ministry. It says something about the wonderful simplicity of how he taught and how it arrested the attention and interest of those who heard him. Now, number five. His skillful, his skillful, skillful answering of questions. This is an art in itself. Never a man spoke like him with his skillful answering of questions. Often people came to Jesus with less than maybe pure motives. They asked him questions to kind of back him into a corner. They, they were concerned about that type of thing. And Jesus already had such an answer ready that you couldn't help but be amazed. Look at Matthew 22. In Matthew 22, you have a question and answer chapter, it seems. In a rather lengthy chapter, one question after another is addressed to Jesus. And finally, Jesus says, okay, I've been answering your questions. Now, I'm going to ask you one. David refers to the Lord as his Lord, and yet also the Lord is referred to as the son of David. What does that mean? Matthew 22, 41 through 46. Jesus never was caught off guard by a question. Have you ever been? As a preacher, I don't even want to think about all the times I've been caught, caught off guard by a question. Occasionally by some of you where I have to ask, where in the world did that come from? But Jesus was never caught off guard. And he always answered in just the right way. You know, there was zeal there, but the, the zeal never became just a firestorm that was without any kind of control at all. Sometimes when questions are asked and answered, you can lose sight of character and self-control, can't you? The heat of the moment. Not Jesus. Man, he's the preacher's preacher. No one ever spoke like him. Number six. 
when we think about Jesus, no one ever spoke with such amazing application. You know, some people are really information geared. They give a lot of information. As a preacher, I try to give you a lot of information and good information, and I don't apologize for that, but you also need to have someone who can apply in a very legitimate way what is being talked about, don't you? To help people see it and taste it and touch it in their own lives. Jesus was the master of that. He could talk about worry, and he would say, think of the birds in the air. Think of the flower in the field. Doesn't the Lord take care of them? How much more value, of how much more value are you? He could talk about riches. And he could talk about being possessed by stuff. And not being rich toward God. And how foolish that was. Luke 12, 15-21. The ability to take God's word... And to apply it in ways that people can see it and can easily embrace it. The Lord was a master teacher. And you know, when you are parents or grandparents, so much of what we do in parenting or grandparenting is helping children see how God's will applies in everyday life. I'd love to be more like Jesus than that, wouldn't you? It might be a good prayer for us to pray. Lastly, in looking at Jesus and never one spoke quite the way he did, think about this. Never Anyone has come along who has spoken with such influence and life. No one's ever come along that spoke with such life-giving, life-changing influence. Now, think about this. Look at Matthew 24 and verse 35. Matthew 24, verse 35. Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. It is 2020. And if this world lasts another 2,020 years, 
when 4,040 comes along, I don't have any doubt in my mind that those words will be just as true, that heaven and earth will pass away, but the words of Jesus will not pass away. Words we hear in political speeches are songs that we love. They may last for a few hundred years, but rarely do any last 500 or 1,000. Ah, but the words of sweet Jesus, they will never pass away. Look, if you will, at John 12, 48. John 12, 48. In John 12, 48, Jesus says, The word that I have spoken, the same will judge you in the last day. The word that I have spoken will judge you in the last day. His words were always about life and influence. He never misspoke. He never was guilty of an idle word. Now, a lot of us need to think about that. A lot of us whose mouths have run way ahead of our heads. Never one spoke quite like Jesus. I know this. It's my hope and prayer for myself and my hope and prayer for you too. That more of us will speak like the Lord that we love. Don't you think that that would be good for our community? Don't you think it would be great for our families? And don't you think it would be great for the church? Thank you for listening. Now stop and think about this from John. Go to John 1 as we close. I suspect that no one will ever speak like Jesus, and I know they won't. We can be like Him in a sense, but no one will ever come along that will surpass or exceed Jesus as a speaker because no one will ever come along who is the Word. And that's exactly who He is. Word. Often when a preacher gets up to preach... Someone will say something like this, preach the word. And they're talking about preaching the message of God. We understand that. But the only way we really preach the message of God is to preach Jesus the word. And if we're not like him in our speech, we're detracting from a very beautiful message. And God help us to overcome this. We're about to stand and sing our song of encouragement. I hope that God has been praised and you've been encouraged by our study together tonight. 
God help us to speak more like His Son. If you need to respond to the gospel in faith, repentance, and baptism, there's no better time than now. Don't delay. And if you're not a Christian, make the sweet confession with your mouth that Jesus is the Son of God and that you believe that with all your heart. And we'll baptize you into Christ this evening for the forgiveness of your sins. And for those of us who are Christians, when you or I pass from this life, Will you be remembered by your friends and loved ones as a person whose speech reflected Jesus? I'd say that's a big deal, wouldn't you? And it's something for us to ask God for help and grace in doing. Let's stand and sing.